The Winding Stairs Freemasonry Podcast is made possible in part by our exclusive group of supporters. For access to behind-the-scenes footage, bonus content, and more, visit thewindingstairs.com slash support. You have arrived at The Winding Stairs, a program dedicated to Masonic education and the practical side of Freemasonry. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda, professional artist and master mason. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Winding Stairs. I'm your host, Juan Sepulveda, and today I am very privileged to have a, a good friend, and an inspiration for a lot of Masons out there, Brother Joseph Wages. Uh, Brother, uh, Brother Joe, good to see you. Hey, good seeing you, Brother Juan. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm glad that you've taken a, a little bit of your time to, to talk about some of the projects that you've been involved in and some upcoming ones that are very exciting. Yeah. And we had a conversation a few years ago where you were about to bring out the, the book, the secret school of wisdom and i've i've worked through that book it's fascinating to me uh i wish <laughs> that uh we could see a little bit of that but let me not let me not get ahead of myself because we might be able to see a little bit of the content of that book um but in in our conversation today i wanted to start just by reminiscing about the process that you went through to um, do the research for for that book, so you can give a, the brothers an idea of what the process to create a well researched, well edited, well put together book looks like. Uh, can you give us just an overview of of how that process was for you in this book? Yeah, sure. So somewhere back in about uh, 2010, I got into contact with Reinhard Markner. He's one of the leading Masonic scholars in Germany. And uh, we, we kind of talked about this whole project, but it was just kind of like a, a pipe dream. And so the first thing that I started with is I uh, took all the German books. A lot of the ritual was already published uh, by the Bavarian government, but, you know, they're in very short circulation numbers. So there's not really a lot of uh, material that's out there. And uh, a lot of people don't read 18th century German either. So it's a little, little, little challenging, kind of like 18th century English. I mean, it's, it's comprehensible, but not quite the same. And so I, uh, I transcribed all of that material. And then I, I got into contact with Jiva because he did, uh, what was the Kniga book that he did? Um, I forget which one it was. But anyways, he did one of those books, and I thought he was, uh, it was a really well-done book. And so we started translating it. And then Reinhard jumps in and says, well, okay, uh, you're going to add me to the book. And he said, and let's not just work with the printed stuff. Let's work with the real rituals. And so we worked with uh, volume eight and nine of the Schwedenkista, which is all of the Illuminati texts that are in the archive and the secret state archive in Berlin. Um, it's a massive, like 20,000 page collection. So each volume has got about a thousand pages, but we worked out of eight and nine. And we uh, took, and there's multiple variants of every ritual in there. Some of them, the early stuff, some of the later stuff. And so we started with what was printed, what was said about them, right? And then we went and we checked it versus the stuff in archive, made corrections. And we found out that really um, there were a lot of corruptions in the text that were printed, but also from manuscript to manuscript. And when you compare all three sources and do what's called textual criticism, and you go back and forth, and you can kind of work out what the original text probably said. You can take the corruption out of it. Um, and that, that, that was generally how it went. 
And, and those discrepancies that you found between one version and another, is that something that you could assertively attribute to malice or error? What would you say the, the reason for the, for the discrepancy would be? Well, take, take like the difference in words like finden und freunden, right? Like finden are enemies, freunden are friends, right? So it's very similar sounding word, very similar spelled word, but it means two different things. Same and difference. So, <laughs> yeah, but it was it wasn't it wasn't out of malice. I mean, if you consider okay. that a lot of these ritual texts, um, it's all copied by scribes, so there weren't any printed official copies by the rich by the order, and so you get like these little textual corruptions, and then also sometimes you get marginal things that maybe a scribe wants to add in there. It's not an official thing, but it's uh, you know, well that that sounds nice. And so what you have to do is go back and work out all the differences. And so we basically compared every known ritual example. Um, you know, for some degrees, you've got like up five, seven copies of it. Uh, and for some of the other, like the top two high degrees, there's only two copies of each one, and one's a copy of another copy. So it's you know, it's pretty clear what the original text was, and that was kind of the process. And like, and it took a like almost five years to do all that. So it was it was a ridiculously long process, but it was worthwhile because what we've got is basically like a time capsule. And so like, if you wanted to like in the study of your own home work your way through that whole degree system, study every text, every instruction that they had, you can do it. And that's that's kind of what the point was, is to, to take the mystery away from the whole thing and let it be to the reader, researchers, and historians, and so forth, to, to decide for themselves what their real significance and impact was. And of course, for the brothers listening that might not be familiar with the book itself, um, it's the Secret School of Wisdom. It's the ritual and doctrine of the Bavarian Illuminati, right? That's right. And so it's the official text, everything that was in the ritual. And and how did it look when it came to logistics? I presume you traveled a lot in order to have access to these tomes or did you bring them to the States? How did that work? Well, what was interesting is before the Nazis seized all the stuff, like in 35, um, there was a series of microfilms that were made from it, right? And the microfilms were, some of the pages were really good. Some of the pages were really, really bad. And that was the best way to work through the different manuscripts. And also keep in mind that 18th century German-like handwriting, they don't uh, use like the modern, like the cursive script that we're used to. It was a, you know, a different German form of it. Um, and so that was a challenge in and of itself. Then you have the 18th century spellings and words like, you know, our heretofores and so forth in the English language that don't get used anymore. And so, I mean, it was, it was a really technically challenging monster. And that's why we had to have Jiva step in. Uh, also, we had our friend Paul Ferguson uh, do the Latin and French portions. And he also went back through the German stuff and made little refinements to it. And then Reinhardt did even more refinements to it. So it's not really, it's like, you know, it's really like a big collaborative project. Like I laid down all the base work doing the transcription stuff. And then, um, you know, we just kind of worked out the differences. And so really everybody did everybody's role to be quite honest. <laughs> and you said this process was about five years. When did you get started? 2010. In 2010. Wow. But it, it's, it, it's amazing. Uh, I, I, I tell you, and I'm not, I'm not lying to you when I tell you that I, I really love getting into it and I have to go through it in small bites, considering that my mind starts wandering into the degree and starts wondering and comparing to the different things that we do as, a, as an organization. Uh, but, but it's fascinating. For the brothers that haven't uh, read that yet, I highly recommend they, them picking it up. Even though it's not strictly a Masonic book, it is one that has such relevancy when it comes to Freemasonry and some of the degrees of course have a direct correlation to, to the craft as we know it. So that will be uh, 
it's definitely one to to add. Now, uh, Adam Weishaupt, of course, was in in the Illuminati, but he had additional papers and additional writings in in that that are very significant for us to understand the man, to understand his motives, and all that kind of kind of um, kind of thing. And you, you're also working on a, on a collection of his work. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Yeah, and so the project we're working on, are, is we're calling it The Collected Works of Adam Weishaupt. We've got the first book in print, and it's called On Materialism and Idealism. And so basically, it's every, uh, every book that Adam Weishaupt ever wrote. Such, a, such an individual to, um, to follow and, and just to see, have a, a little glimpse of that late 18th century um, movement to to really come to grasp with uh the, the the human condition and try to understand how can we you know how can we really put to work our intellect and make sure that we um can spread wisdom and we can protect ourselves from superstition and you know yeah. tyranny and that sort of stuff Right. I mean, like in what he's doing is it's um, he basically like kind of like in the deistical sort of vein, um, he uh, proves the existence of God and the immortality of the soul. But he doesn't use it based on holy text. He uses it through logical, secular reasoning, which mm. is like a totally fascinating idea. And I mean, it's 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 wild stuff. I mean, some of the arguments he makes are completely and utterly philosophically unsound. And that's OK, because it sure does sound good. <laughs> he swung, but <laughs> he, yeah, he took a swing for it. Uh, <laughs> It was a foul ball, but he called it a home run. (laughs) This program is made possible in part by FreemasonryArt.com, an online store of products made by Masons for Masons. It features a growing selection of original Masonic paintings, limited edition artwork, and genuine lambskin Masonic aprons. Imagine yourself walking into your next lodge meeting wearing a hand-painted Masonic apron like the ones we see displayed in museums. We invite you to look at our growing collection and support the winding stairs through your purchase. For details, go to freemasonryart.com. So recently we've been seeing the teaser trailers and, and the film trailers for for an upcoming film in which you've been heavily involved. And it's another production by Brother Johnny Royal. Uh, this is the, the brother that brought us 33 and Beyond, which was an amazing film. It was very well put together. Um, but this one is in part inspired by the story that you help tell through your book, The Secret School of Wisdom. Can you give us a little insight into how this project was born and how was that initial contact between you and Brother Royal and the rest of the team? Yeah, so I was uh, speaking at South Pasadena Masonic Lodge. I was doing their Illumination Lecture Series, and uh, uh, our good friend Adam Kendall picked me up at the airport, and he goes, hey, I, I got a guy that wants to meet you. I was like, oh, okay, sure. And so we go over there, and we go to Johnny's house, and we're hanging out for a little bit, and he goes, hey, do you want to you know, check out this film? And so like, we, we looked at like one of his working things before it was put out, and uh, and then we got to talking about it. And he goes, you know, I really love your book. And I thought, Oh, he just gave me lip service. No, he knew the book inside and out forwards and backwards. He knew it like perfectly. And so we agreed to work on this project together. So it took about a year to get off the ground. Um, and then when we did it, I went out there in uh, July of last year and we'd been working on it for like maybe seven or eight months before then, like, you know, it's kind of, you know, storyboarding the whole thing out, how we're going to do it. And, uh, so we went out there in July, shot the whole thing. And, uh, 
you know, what's neat is I get, I'm not only in the film, but I've got an executive producer credit because um, what we're telling in this story is like, it's the story of the Illuminati themselves. Like, and it's the only like accurate documentary that's probably ever been made on them. And it tells like the whole story. And the, uh, the part that's neat to me, but mainly because I'm an 18th century Masonic ritual nerd and pretty much a big fan of the Illuminati is that we recreated all of the Illuminati rituals and period clothing. Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty much full form stuff. Like even the Masonic portions. Now we don't use any words or anything like that, but we show like what the motions are and that kind of thing. Um, and we put it out there. I mean, and it's, it's, it's beautiful because like brother Royal, like, I mean, his, his style of cinematography, it really reminds me a lot of like Kubrick. Right. And so it's some really sexy shots and it's like real, you know, real nice eye candy. And uh, what the cool thing is it's all the uh, original rituals uh, in period clothing. And then to, you know, put a little kind of little cherry on top. Um, he went over to Germany and shot like at the original locations of all this stuff, even like the castles and so forth. And so he shot like on location at the exact spots and, and even uh, some of these people's houses that like they're descendants of the original guys. And like, you know, goes through some of their like manuscript stuff that they still have in their own family collections. Wow. I mean, it's, it's wild. I mean, this is going to be a really, really important project. I mean, um, and what's funny is we didn't just take it from like, oh, well, here's the Masonic perspective. We took it from like academics, Masonic uh, historians. We even took it uh, from the perspective of people that you know, are conspiracy people. And it looks like my book's already made an impact because a lot of those people, you may have got a different interview from them like you know a year before my book came out. But it seems to have already started making an impact because once people are actually able to read what the original rituals say, I mean, it's not really the same group at all, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you go through it and you you really start digging into the specifics of how a candidate is selected, how distant he is kept from from the superiors, how yeah. there's such careful process. And then when you finally get to see, okay, so show me the meats and potato, like what are they actually trying to convey here? What are the lessons? What are mm-hmm. the you know virtues that that are that are promulgated through the through the order and it's nothing nefarious it's uh it's yep. actually something admirable and that has an incredible contrast with what we hear people say about the the illuminati you know <laughs> the, the pop culture illuminati and it's like <laughs> obviously they have no idea what they're talking about whenever they're making these allusions to to the insidiousness of of you know, the alleged insidiousness of it, but. Well, I agree. And you know, it's, it's funny because like, it was like in the vacuum of everything that they were able to say all that crazy stuff. And, you know, really you get right down to it. And a lot of that stuff is like, it's actually reflecting what's inside these people's minds like that. If you want to take back and go back and look at what the crap they said before, it's like, Oh wow. Well, you're a pretty sick individual, aren't you? Oh, you imagine that, did you? That's nice. Because you go and compare it to the real thing, and like it's night and day different. And what to me, like you were saying about like the distance and stuff they kept people at, I think that's one of the things that that uh, added value to the system, right? Because you know a lot of the things they're conveying are like you know pretty common philosophical ideas, universal truths, right? But you do it under the veil 
uh, of secrecy and like, you know, and, th and through like an initiatic method like that. And what it is, is they, it, they, it makes them retain all those things. And that's really what the point of all that stuff was. So the point of ceremony and the initiatic process really is to add value to something that would, because think about it, like you get out of what you put into something. So like if, if you put very little into it and like, and we're, you know, me and you are just talking about these things, people are not going to place very high value on it, but you make them go through a process and make it deliberate. And th that's what adds value to the system itself. And it makes you like hang to the those lessons and it burns them into your mind. Yep, absolutely. And, and that's the, there's a, you know, great parallel there with, with masonry mm -hmm. where I could tell you all the different lessons of that masonry conveys by just sitting with you over a whiskey and, you know, I'll tell you what it's all about, or at least what, you know, everything I've been exposed to. And tomorrow you wake up and you're the same guy. You might not have any additional passion for circumscribing your, your desires or anything of the sort. But when you actually go through the ritual and you're actually a part of this morality play, if you will, mm -hmm. then it is something you will never forget. And right. then the effectiveness of the use of symbols then becomes very apparent. All you need to do is to see the symbols and you remember where you were and how you were and everything that was going through your mind whenever you were first exposed to those symbols. So... I absolutely love it. I cannot wait to to see the film. I think this is going to be exciting um, because it is not just a fabrication of someone's creative whim. Here we're talking about some well-researched, well-documented order, and it's presented in a picturesque, artistic way that is still true to to the origin. So I'm glad that the two of you partner up. Uh, I'm sure there's other people involved in 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 the film because this is a you know films are a, a big machinery. But yeah, it's, uh, you'll get to see Reinhardt in there too. So if you guys have never seen Reinhardt, he's interviewed in the film. I mean, nice. really, it's like all the American experts, uh, German experts, you know, conspiracy people. I mean, like you know, it's 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 a it's a good mix, and you get a lot of diversity. But what the one thing that's neat about it is the way we tell the story is because we shoot it with a different imagery, but it's, it's the, it's the narration of the people actually telling the story and then uh, piecing it all together. I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I can't, I'm really excited for you guys to see this. That's outstanding. And, and you said you filmed in, was it in California? Yeah, we shot uh, all the ritual stuff at South pass. Um, okay. If I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's a fantastic lodge. I have not. Oh, uh, you got to go. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I'm sure. Sure, I'll, I'll find my way there eventually. Yeah, and a big and a big thanks to Dago Rodriguez. Uh, you know, he he let us do all the stuff over there. Uh, he was a work, I, I don't know if he's still worshipable master, but he was at the time. And uh, yeah, big props to him because he was uh, not not only he's also got credit in the film too uh, because he's a, he's into movies also. I, I forget what his thing, what his credit is, but whatever it is, it, it's he did a great job. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah, he's a he's a great brother. Um, so. We alluded to the fact that you're working on the collection, collected works of Adam Weishaupt. Mm -hmm. And this is a project that will take, will take you longer than any other projects you've ever been, been involved. Yep. Uh, you're projecting how many tomes in this particular collection? Well, there's going to be 24. And the way that it's going to work is we're doing a bilingual edition. So it'll be English, German, and also French, German. And so that way we can, we can except for unfortunately for Spanish, but uh, someone can come back later um, and do that. But 
so we're putting it out there. So it, we got the, the widest possible impact and mainly it's going to be uh, probably European people reading these, you know, and also Americans too. So we wanted to get all the three main European languages covered. Um, and so we're doing 24 volumes, every book he ever wrote ever. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really fascinating project. We're up to book five right now that we've got completed, but we've only got book one into print and we keep, we're like plagued by like the eternal shopping cart gremlins. I don't know what it is, but like when we try to link our uh, bank account to the thing like that, it won't process orders. So it's got to be the curse of the Illuminati. It's that's has what it to is. Be. You, you, you've <laughs> digged too deep. You brought yeah. this up by yourself. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I think Amazon's now sold more copies than I personally have, so it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's usually how that works. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very excited about all these projects. I thank you uh, for, you know, really putting together the quality of work that you put. And I finally had a chance to, to meet you in person down at Boynton Beach, uh, yeah. Boynton, Boynton Lodge. Uh, and for the brothers that are not familiar, uh, Boynton Lodge, uh, puts together a, a great Masonic education program. And it's almost every month or every other month, there is an author or a researcher or something that they, he comes down to, to the lodge and spends pretty much the entire day sharing knowledge with the, with the brethren that make it down there. And yeah, when I, I saw... Did, huh? did I, do like th I did like three lectures in a row, didn't I? You did. Yeah, you had <laughs> two... Two in the morning, two or three in the morning, and uh -huh. then two in the afternoon. Yeah, it was it was it was like uh, the Hail Mary. I was like, I don't think I've ever talked that long before, but it didn't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone was on their on the edge of their seats. Uh, you revealed a lot of things there that will be part of the upcoming uh, books that you have, and you know, for the brothers that um, haven't checked these out, of course they have to check them out. But if they get an opportunity to hear you in person, I think they definitely should. Yeah. You were very generous with your time. And another thing that I, I was very grateful for is how open you were to answering questions about the different things you were talking about. And, and some of the questions, of course, were complex because we're talking about a very uh, nuanced historical uh, recount. And brothers would come out and ask something very obscure about the era about the individual, they might have known something about I, I, um, Adam Weishaupt or another character that we were talking about. And you had all your information at hand. They yeah. didn't catch you up guard. It's like you knew your stuff. Yeah. So. Well, so I like to play like when I give my talks, like uh, the, the rules are it's like rattle the speaker. Like at any point in time, try to derail me, throw any question you out there, no matter how absurd, knock me off my balance, see if you can do it. <laughs> nice. That's, that's how that's I like to play. Like, That's like, good. yeah, <laughs> like no holds barred. It's like WrestleMania, but lectures. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was, that was fascinating. So, um, yeah, I'm going to add links to, for the brothers to check out the books and for them to, to see, uh, also the program, uh, it's called Blurg, the one from, uh, Boynton Lodge. It'll be, it'll be good for the brothers that are in the area, at least to drive, however long they need to it took me maybe two two and a half hours or so to get to to where you are but brother i i want to be respectful of your time i thank you again for for joining me and you know i know we'll have more conversations in the future uh I, i'm excited to to hear the developments of the other projects that are uh on the way so uh but again i, I thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom and for not being stingy with it <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Brother Juan, I really appreciate you for having me on. Uh, you know, it's it's always a pleasure talking with you, and I can't wait till we get to hang out the next time. Oh, likewise. Absolutely. And to, to the brothers listening, thank you again for, for your time. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you have any questions for Brother Joe or for me uh, about any of the topics that we discussed today, make sure that you send us a message or in the comment section, you put them there because we do everything possible to make sure that you get what you need from, from our programs and from our efforts. Hey, before you switch to the next podcast, let me ask you a question. Did you find this episode enjoyable? Did you find any part of it edifying or informative? If so, please consider supporting our show by choosing one of these options, mainly by sharing it with other brothers through social media, on your Lodge's website or through your own blog, by making a purchase through freemasonryart.com, or by joining our exclusive group of supporters through patreon.com for early access to our podcast episodes, behind-the-scenes look at the creation process, and many other benefits, visit thewindingstairs.com forward slash support. Regardless of the way in which you choose to support our show, thank you. And as always, may your steps be firm and your path illuminated as we continue our journey up the winding stairs.